The Light Inside the Dark, Character and Integrity, page 185. The Knot in the Current of Time. In the world of time, complications always appear. Character likes slowness and desires us to wait. Waiting is not a provisional time, servant to another moment yet to come. It is time in itself. It has its own elegance and disciplines. We wait so that we can catch up with ourselves so that the rhythm can take shape before we start to dance. We wait because we can imagine far ahead of our ability to embody. A person arriving at a traditional Japanese monastery is turned away at first. It takes three days to get in. During that time, at best, we sit alone in a room meditating. At worst, we stand in the snow. This is not a time to act, but to allow the world to act. During such days, only inner events take place, and so, invisibly, a transition occurs as we move from outside the community to inside it. Afterwards, our actions and our appearance do not necessarily change, but everything has been shifted into the realm of the sacred. So this is a reference to Bodhidharma and the person who wanted to study with him <coughs> waited outside in the snow for three days. And unfortunately, he had to finally cut off his arm to prove to Bodhidharma that he was sincere. I, um, I never really thought about that three day period being a time to actually move inward. For some reason, I hadn't thought about that. I thought it was just showing that you were stubborn and you were going to get in. But I love how he's saying that it's a time to actually, if you're there, doing nothing else but waiting, you know, to go inside and, um, you know, maybe have a lot of chatter drop off. And even our 10 minutes is kind of like that, isn't that, of, of sitting. So we might be physically here, but not mentally here. Not that we do it in 10 minutes, <coughs> but it's a start. Right. Right. When we are blocked, when the circumstances are not ripe, we have to find some way of acknowledging that we are waiting, that we are pregnant and not merely asleep. Pausing like this is at the heart of meditation practice. When we attend closely to our lives, though it seems that nothing is happening, in the subterranean currents, reconciliation is setting off invisible until the moment of its arrival. This waiting is not an effort at working a problem through, nor is it getting out of the way. It is being in the way just a little, just enough to allow the universe to work the problem through. Ooh, I like that. So Gail, do you think the waiting, um, when you were first pregnant, had to do with, uh, you know, becoming ready or more ready to be a mother? To be a mother? To be a mother. Well, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, certainly you develop a relationship with what's growing inside. <laughs> I will say that. 
Yeah, I, I like the idea, though, um, that it looks like we're blocked, but we're not. We're just pregnant, <laughs> just waiting. Um, kind of like that. Okay, Harmony, would you like to read? Yes, I would be happy to. Um, I like the last paragraph. It's not about getting out of the way completely, but allowing your allowing just to be in the present, just enough to allow the universe to work it out like that. Um, there is a moment when Jesus shows his mastery of such timing. In the story, a crowd has caught a woman sleeping with a man, not her husband. They are angry and want to stone her to death. It is not clear why they ask Jesus to speak. Perhaps they want his blessing on the murder. Perhaps there is some unconscious doubt in them. Jesus does intervene, but not straight away. Preaching to the angry mob is a ticklish, ticklish business. At first, he distracts. He throws on the ground, he draws on the ground with a stick. We are not told what he draws. It is the action itself that is important. This is an invent, inventive gesture. It offers no answer, yet keeps the question in suspicion. The crowd becomes unsure whether this is his response or not. A gap opens in their uncertainty. Time passes and the moment becomes less fixed. Then when Jesus speaks, the reproof in his words is indirect and points to the quest for knowledge. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. The men in the crowd are turned inward and so walk away, each into his own destiny. Like other good solutions in desperate moments, this one came from nowhere, unpermeated, given by grace. In the inner life, ready, readiness is one of the most important things. It is like a horse. The whole body has to turn toward the stream before she will drink. Our animal selves have to be aligned with this, the change. We have to be faithful to our lives. Eat the cornflakes, write the memo, change the diapers. Take the kids to the beach and faithful also to that one small thing, which is the knot in the current of time, which brings awareness to our waiting. Our integrity is to observe these periods of waiting the way in certain religious traditions, the faithful observe fast days. I think that speaks to uh, not jumping ahead of ourselves. No, go you know, on. Being in the present moment, you know, just eat your cornflakes. You I mean, can't, can't go any faster than one thing at a time. Just do today. You're, you're, your place right now is to eat breakfast or to take the kids. That's the awareness, I think, is not jumping into the future too far at all. Yeah, there's a famous koan where a young 
guy monk comes in and says i want to learn about zen and his teacher says have you eaten your your breakfast and then he says yes he said well wash your bowl so it's a similar and to do these things all wholeheartedly right not to wish you were somewhere else I like the visual of a horse drinking from a stream. I had to think about that for a minute. And it's true. I don't think I've ever seen a horse turning their head sideways. They turn. They have to turn their whole body so they can dip their head in. It's interesting. Yeah. Have to be aligned with the change. What do you think that's about? I think that's I think, another way. Go ahead. No, I just think about horses because that's been part of my life when I was a kid. But but that uh, being in a better position to see if anything's uh, threatening around them. When you're turning your head, you're exposing, you know, you're not seeing that part of your body, maybe as much as if you change your whole body, then your eyes can see what's on the sides of you. That's just a guess. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I just picture the horse being aligned with drinking. You know, as, a, as opposed to uh, facing one direction and then trying to drink out of the side of the, turn your head to the side. I, I really like that. Yeah. Also, they have to go down and maybe it's, their neck's not long enough to go over and down. <laughs> yeah. I really do like the, um, and the, paragraph, you know, a couple of paragraphs ago, too, while they were talking about um, when we attend closely to our lives, though it seems that nothing is happening, it is in the subterranean currents, something is happening. And I, that, that gives me heart, because a lot of times lately I've been feeling like nothing is happening. <laughs> you know, from a spiritual sense, you know. <laughs> but I think it also alluded to how the the rest of the world, you know, when we're pausing, we allow the rest of the world to go crazy around us. I get tempted into that, well, yeah, I know something's happening if I'm just sitting here, but at the same time, another practical part of me is thinking. Well, if I'm not out planning A, B, and C or being productive, blah, 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 um, I'm going to get behind in life or um, I'm not going to respond to my emails or I'll miss a, a letter and a deadline. And uh, there's got to be a balance between that. I've heard uh, Gail probably was there when Peg was talking. Peg was is one of our teachers and she was talking about how her sister was trying to convince the Japanese women 
to use things like washing machines. And they, the argument was it would save them time. And that was completely out of their, their bandwidth. They had no interest in, in saving time. It meant nothing to them. You know, where mm -hmm. harmony, which you seem to be saying, you know, talking about is that idea that, yeah. you know, if, if I'm just sitting here, am I doing any, am I taking care of things? Yeah, or are you running out of time? You know, I don't know, you know, you guys, sometimes I'll, if I sit outside and don't do anything, I'm not reading or anything, I'm just sitting and kind of looking at the, um, at the trees and stuff out in my yard for a few minutes. Have you ever noticed how much is actually happening if you really pay attention? <laughs> you know, it seems like nothing is happening. It seems like maybe you're wasting your time, but if you really, you know, on retreats, I've had this happen when I'm just looking at a little space of woods and all of a sudden you see all this life is going on and you know, I miss the whole thing <laughs> because I'm, I'm too busy, you know, wanting to get to the next moment, you know, or, or go do something. And yet all this is happening right now. It's, it's pretty interesting. And the instruction, you know, I'm sure. You yeah, the instruction in in our intensives are not to be opening a book and not to be talking to someone and not be looking at the phone, but just to sit there. Yeah, and and it, it's a very difficult venture. So we try to make excuses. Well, I need to find this out or whatever. Yeah. Need to see if my you you know, my house burnt down. Yeah, or you're bored. You think nothing's happening. And I remember one time at retreat, I was just sitting on a bench and staring at this patch of dry, whatever, you know, a grass. And all of a sudden I noticed there was an anthill there and the ants were very busy running around. And, you know, then a bird flew by. I mean, just all kinds of, you know, breeze came by and, you know, things were moving. It was just interesting. And I thought, gee, normally I miss that, you know. <laughs> The forces of sleep and oblivion are so great that one conscious thing has to be in our lives every day. We need to touch the talisman that keeps us turned toward awareness. Meditation serves our integrity when it is with us daily. Then, when the horse flowers its head and begins to drink, everything will be changed. We can go through life ignoring the existence of the water, but once we have tasted it, we begin to orient, orient our lives toward it. This relates, too, about how we relate to another person. You know, are we are our bodies uh, facing them, or are we going like this? Yeah. Uh, waiting in the dark <clears throat> allows us to rest in, until a solution comes out of the empty world. When we are impeded, we don't despair utterly. Our waiting has a dynamic quality. Developing character can be odd work since it often goes against our normal thoughts of advantage. 
A strange and successful example involves a friend who had a brilliant but capricious Zen teacher. Suddenly, after many years of training, he had had enough. Furious with his teacher, he could no longer bear even to be in the same room with him. Some marriages are like this. So the man went away and became the leader, a leader in his field, all the while working quietly on his spiritual life. Once a year, he would go and, in the Asian fashion, bow to his old teacher. He was still angry and disappointed, and this action was the only thing he could find to do with the problem. Year after year, he would bow and the teacher would be polite and the matter would rest there. This went on for seven years. Then the student came as before, but this time, inexplicably, his heart was light. It was as if a debt had been paid. It was like that for the teacher too. They laughed and embraced. Their relationship became simple. The story has an elegant sparseness. Sometimes we can work at a relationship too hard or in the wrong way. Sometimes we have to be patient to trust the universe to sort out what is beyond our power. But the student did not just leave the matter to fate. He saw that this issue was not an incidental thing, not just a flaw in the road, but the road itself. It contained the problem of the flaws we always find in our mentors, the problems of our self-centered rage in the student that wants acknowledgement more than it wants life or truth. The problem is where to stand in relation to the tradition, the problem of love between the generations and the problem of how wisdom gets passed down. He saw that whatever his teacher's role, whatever his teacher's role, he had a task too. In the eventuality, he was true in both sides of the situation. He didn't betray his anger, which had its own kind of integrity, and he didn't ignore the claim of the relationship, which was deep. He found in action a spontaneous ritual that indicated to everyone involved, the universe, the teacher, and the student himself, that the issue was still in play, struggling to find its true form and give off light, and to give off light. It's really hard to be true to both sides of a situation, isn't it? Because you always want to win. <laughs> sometimes, not always, but sometimes. I think you want to land somewhere. You know, you, you want a place to stand. You want to make a decision that something is right or wrong or someone is good or bad for you or whatever. <laughs> kind, this of kind, of, kind of certainty. <laughs> some kind of what, certainty? Did you yeah, say? some kind of certainty. And actually, um, you're never really going to find that. At least I haven't yet. 
every time I want to land somewhere like uh, this isn't good for me and I, you know, I'm, I'm having conflicted feelings. Um, you know, I, I want to make a decision about this it. kind of ceremonial waiting both requires and develops strength of character. It is different from the pauses of earlier stages of the journey because it includes an awareness that holds even anger in a larger context of connection. Kim, can you hear us? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm just checking. Why did you say someone say something? Uh, I felt like Gail was talking and you didn't, I don't know if you heard her talking. Oh, there was one <laughs> moment where it said my internet was thing. What did you say, Gail? I think I forgot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> While I was reading, you were saying something? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't it's hear. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, only one person comes through at a time. But you heard her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I paused. I stopped. Oh, okay. Doubt and struggle. Traditional some practices thought of uh, resting like an iron cauldron mm -hmm. on three legs. One leg, leg is doubt, one is effort, and the last is faith. Doubt is the first and usually freely available in our culture. The contribution of the Zen tradition here is to point out that for the growth of awareness, we must not ignore our doubts. They have great value. They allow us to penetrate, to see through the human situation. Uh, Flint, who's one of our teachers too, was talking to Blanche Hartman, who was his teacher at San Francisco Zen Center. And he tells a story where he comes to her and he says, I, no, 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 he was talking to Mel Whiteman, another Zen teacher. And he was saying, I have a lot of doubt. And, and Mel said, do you have doubt in the Dharma or do you have doubt in yourself? And he said, I have doubt in myself. He said, well, that's fine. Just keep, you know, your faith in the Dharma. I like the idea of doubt. Um, what I was saying before, you know, that, you know, I have a tendency to want an answer to things and just to have a concrete idea about something. But then I'm not, um, I'm not in that position of um, not knowing and I think doubt sometimes puts you in a position of not knowing which I think is I, I think it's kind of a doorway to opening a little bit though I've been thinking about um, there's a not knowing you could be in a state of not knowing with certainty mm. Right? Yeah, I like, um, there are periods when 
I'm uncertain, but I, there is a process. So my, my motto is trust the process. So I know that there's going to be an outcome. And sometimes if I fight it or I try to do something, um, it interferes. My, my logic is not what I've, not necessarily what I know is the best option. Sometimes I just need to sit back and trust the process and that I'm evolving and that I will be, um, yeah, just that. I mean, <laughs> trust the process, get out of the way and allow things to change. There is doubt that yeah. I'm doing it right or whatever, but that's me needing to get out of the way and just trust the process, keep my faith in the process and not myself. I think he raises a, an important point of when you experience doubt, it's important to define what that doubt is uh, and not avoid the doubt. I noticed that it's uh, one of the legs of the, of the three legs that the cauldron is resting on. I'm trying to picture that, but you know, I always kind of used to think that when I was in doubt, it was kind of a bad thing, you know, that, um, yeah, you know, and it's not, and this is very comforting. I've been experiencing a lot of doubt lately. And, uh, I, I just love hearing that it, it, it's part of this, um, you know, this, the process practice part of the process right it's really helpful i remember my mom would scream at my dad because he always thought he knew the right way to go when they were driving somewhere and sometimes he didn't and he wouldn't admit i don't know you know i doubt so yeah. so then she'd start screaming at him when they ended up where they you know so yeah. far away from where they were trying to get to so it's healthy to be have doubt when you're lost. Mm -hmm. Trust the map. <laughs> <laughs> what what's a map? <laughs> okay. Or, or ask for direction. Ask for some help. <laughs> Maybe. Who's reading? Oh, I think it's me. Yeah. Okay. To give attention to our current situation, including everything dubious and unresolved, is an act of integrity. In the later stages of the inner work, <coughs> there is a temptation to ignore doubt, since so much seems clear. But fogginess is always with us, and to have integrity is to notice this. The story of Jacob wrestling with a being out of heaven refers to such a moment of uncertainty. His life was in danger and everything depended on his presence of mind in the coming time. In the night, an angel came and Jacob struggled with him. As the dawn came on, the man held on fast and though he was injured in the hip, he would not let the angel leave until he had received a blessing. Integrity depends on our connection to the spiritual, but that relationship is not a simple or passive one. To earn spirit's blessing, 
We have to be willing to struggle through on our own. He's giving a lot of examples that come from Christianity. That's interesting, mm -hmm. isn't it? Hmm. An example of staying with, struggling with, doubt and unease was given by an old Zen teacher speaking about his own process. I ask myself, what is bothering me? And something pops up. Then I ask myself, what is really bothering me? Something else pops up. Then I ask, what about underneath that? What's really, really bothering us is always mortality, the fragility of life. I'll read. Um, here, integrity is doubt pursued. Integrity asks what is real and keeps our nose to the grindstone. Its revelations come after inner conflict and hard work. Integrity embraces our natural qualms and power of refusal. It leads us to reject everything comforting and offensive to reason until comforting and offensive to reason until the bottom of our inquiry is reached. In this way, questions become a treasure to, in themselves. They endure and they are always fresh. Great questions get passed down as a sort of legacy, gifts for succeeding generations. In one of his Polynesian paintings, full of his languid amazement in the Pacific, South Pacific, Gauguin raises up for our admiration and disturbance his eternal curiosity. He writes in the painting itself, who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? Asking us who witnesses, who, who witness and share his faith. We can respond to his questions only by holding them, pursuing them, living them through. Our questions keep company with our grief and happiness. We carry them along with us. Bringing attention to our questions constructs the interior container of our character. But this <coughs> work is not easy. We do not always pursue our question into a depth. We may accept a lesser question, yawn and distract ourselves sink into oblivion. In Zen, the student takes up a great question and perseveres with it actively and incessantly day and night. The question itself composes the subject of meditation, becomes a knot in the current of time. <coughs> the student sometimes begins with a form of the question that has every appearance of absurdity, a koan such as, what is the sound made by a single hand? The very absurdity contains the dark with the bright, the contradictions of being human. Or else the student <laughs> may be given a natural arising question such as, who is hearing that sound? The bird call, the truck passing, the voice of the world at this moment. 
these great questions are full of night and cannot be answered in comfortable fashion. Preliminary intellectual responses are rejected by the teacher until the student is drawn down to the bottom of the world. Persistent question, questioning takes away everything that merely seems solid until we are left with the underneath the emptiness. You know, these questions, they can't actually be answered with the mind or with the brain, I guess you could say. I mean, that was, I had an experience like that. I asked a question and I was really struggling internally in meditation until something popped and I heard almost like a voice say, the mind will never, ever understand. That's what it, that's what it said. And in that moment, everything just dropped off. All my, um, what do I call it? The seeking energy it became very peaceful. Nice. Could somebody rephrase the last sentence? Persistent questioning takes away everything that really seems solid. I took it to mean that ooh, we have to develop cognitive flexibility. Uh, so questions, when you ask questions, you seek answers. And I think that um, sometimes asking different questions helps define what you're thinking versus what the situation is versus what the possibilities are. And it even applies in physics, uh, you know, where you say, what is this made of? And you, first you say, well, it's made of aluminum and then it's made of molecules and then it's made of atoms. And, you know, then the atoms are made of this and this. And finally you get to the point where you just don't know. Right. I, it makes me think of, um, you know, what in um, some Eastern traditions they call neti neti. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's sort of, uh, I've been through that. And it's really, you know, you think, okay, well, I'm what I'm thinking, or I'm this body that's moving, or, you know, and you, you keep looking at that and then discovering, well, I can't be that because that changed, or I can't be that because it disappeared, you know, or, you know, and yet I still was, <laughs> you know, and, and, um, you know, I think it's a way of chipping away at our attachment to ourselves as a separate self. Kind of chips away. Mm-hmm. That's really the interesting stuff, the underneath, isn't it? Underneath. My, sister, my sister was a, uh, what's underneath? My sister was a psychoanalyst and I would talk to her a lot about what she does and, you know, how does she 
is she able to see people day after day for years? And doesn't she get to the bottom of things? And she says, no, you know, it keeps going on and on and on. But that's really the interesting stuff after you end up, after you exhaust the stories. Oh, cool. I'm glad she saw things like that. It's cool. But she wouldn't question them. But other, yeah. in fact, you know, when I would say, well, what questions do you ask? She said, oh, I don't want to do that because then I'll lead them somewhere. They're not going. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like he's saying you have to do the questioning yourself. Right. Who's, uh, who's reading now? To me or is it someone else? I will. Um, using this method of deepening our attention, we sacrifice a certain complacency, but find a path composed of the questions that the universe has given us. This is deeply satisfying to our integrity, which does not want to gloss over the difficulties of leading a life of awareness. We enter our anxiety as if on a quest, learning to be attuned to our own uneasiness and even to doubt it. To doubt pursued to its ends, pursued beyond itself, strengthens character because it is something real. The method of questioning is full of beauty and terror. It does not pretend that we work of spirit and soul is pretty or easy, but it trusts the greatness of our human capacity to look for life in the face, to look life in the face. When we follow our doubt to the bottom, we are like Jacob, who holds fast to the angel until it bestows its blessing. I want to just see how long this next section is. Okay, we, we can do this section, right? I think so. Okay. <laughs> this is one of my favorite uh, quotes of William Blake. A lot of people don't think it's true or that it takes infinite patience or you'd have to wait forever. If a fool would persist in his folly, he would become wise. And then there's kind of the other question that I, I mean, I remember this from college, this quote, but also, um, is there any way of really speeding things up to become wise other than making every possible mistake? Effort is the next leg of the cauldron. To gather our fiercest effort may actually become more difficult as we progress along the journey. Because the edge has been taken off our suffering. But the moment of effort, <coughs> like the moment of doubt, does not belong to any one stage. Effort takes on the inner journey as a work that can be completed like other tasks. It develops a robust and achieve 
and achieving side of character by committing to the moment ever more fully. Effort wields meditation as a cutting sword, saying no to everything that distracts. You know, I'm thinking a lot of my, my, about my father-in-law now, who's 103 and three quarters, but we did a lot of working together, uh, building things, and I would get distracted all the time, and he would, he would kind of grunt and get me back on the, on the task. He was a, a great taskmaster without opening his mouth. And my wife's like that, too. She's so focused. And so if she just sits in the room and I'm doing a task, and she just looks at me, I can keep on the task, but otherwise. Habits keep us unconscious and it takes effort to break them. Effort does not does this with its characteristic endurance and persistence. A habit is essentially an artificial limitation we have put upon ourselves because we cannot endure the newest the newness of each moment the shift from habit to moment by moment attention is described by an athlete who said i used to overtain because doing a lot made me feel like i was achieving something it seems good to grind up the the repetitions it it seems good to grind up the repetitions but actually it's just lazy it's much harder to notice just what my body needs how i'm breathing but i do that now and i never get injured anymore um that's interesting. When I think about how it pertains to my life, like I need to go to the gym, and then I think, oh, I'm just, I, I'm just gonna sit here and breathe because that's what I need. <laughs> then I never get to the gym. <laughs> There's a go. Could you go back down to that section? Um, yeah, the grind of the repetitions. It's actually just lazy. I do enjoy just doing the repetitions or because I need a break from, you know, thinking. Um, but then I go to the, I'm just breathing. I don't need to do all of those repetitions. Sometimes I do need a break from thinking. So I like kind of a balance between habit and being in the present moment, <laughs> thinking and being in the present moment, I guess. Are you talking about the flow? Yeah. Or, or just like the, I have set, you know, like goals for myself to go to, let's just say, go to the gym three times a week. But the inspiration, sometimes I will focus on having to do that instead of the results that I want or the outcome. And so the, you know, just going into the habit of going to the gym, I go Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 a.m. You know, that would be a habit. And that actually makes it easier for me to 
do what my body needs. And sometimes it is just staying home, but sometimes, but like knowing, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking like a habit would be doing, like as the athlete says, the repetitions. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes, but also being aware that there are other times when, you know, the, the repetitions is not what it needs. It's the breathing. But I, I don't think habit's a bad thing, maybe in my mind, but in this context, it seems like it's maybe the opposite of what we're talking about. Yeah, I, um, I, I was struck by that first sentence. Habits keep us unconscious. And it takes an effort to break them. And when I think of habits, maybe what he might be pointing to, because I find this in myself, is I have habitual thoughts and habitual ways of reactivity when I get triggered. I mean, just habitual ways of um, thinking about people and relationships. And, you know, you're always like that. You always say that, you, you know, those kinds of things. And it's an artificial limitation that we put on ourselves because we cannot endure the newness of each moment. I never thought of it that way, but it is a laziness. You know, for me, when I think I know somebody and um, maybe I'm triggered and I have a habitual judgment that comes up and, um, and, you know, it's like I've solidified the situation or the person into a, a concrete thing, not a thing that's constantly moving and changing. And in, you know, I'm not in tune with the moment, you know? And um, I've had a, a, recently I've been falling into the habit of, um, you know, judging, you know, people that I relate to sometimes and being very irritated. And um, somebody at another group I go to brought up, um, I don't know if you've ever heard Ho'oponopono. Yes. Uh, Right. So I just, what happened is habitually I was having a judgment and all of a sudden now I'm kind of an awareness of that habitual judgment pops up in the middle of a conversation. And I say to myself, um, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And it's interesting that when you say those four phrases, it just breaks the habitual thought stream. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, then I get quiet and I'm able to hear what the other person is saying better, or maybe I don't react in the same way I normally do, you know, defensively. And so, but it's an effort to do that. Mm You know, I'm so comfortable, even if my comfortable way of dealing with things is actually um, causing me suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I kind of think that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing when I hear him talking about this. This is a pretty unusual view, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think I so. I keep going back. I'm sorry, uh, go ahead. Uh, when I was practicing piano a lot, I would um, learn a piece and go into this automatic 
mode and suddenly forget what I was doing and have to stop. And it wasn't, uh, I wasn't like in the moment, I wasn't feeling the music, I wasn't present. I was being lazy and messing up. And what I had to do was stop, slow down and really pay attention to what I was doing, how I was playing. And um, with athletes, it's similar like muscle memory. Uh, if you go lose yourself in the flow and you don't stay aware, then um, something is lost in that. And it's not as rich of an experience as when you're actually thinking about what you're doing a little bit. So I've been locking, I, I always lock up Appomata. I'm usually the last one out. And um, then I get to my car and then I ask myself, did I lock the door? So then I walk back <laughs> and, you know, see if the door is locked. And it's never been not locked. But when I'm at my car, I have no memory of locking it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything in life can be that way. Yeah. And I then also parking. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times you don't remember where you parked your car. Emily had a good story about that one. I've never forgotten. <laughs> parking Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I was reading an article about um, dementia and how so many people, when they get older, think that they have it. And when the fact is that they don't, what they're doing is they're not actually focusing on present moment. So you think, you think, oh, I'm getting senile because I can't find my keys or I forgot where I parked. When really, the only problem was there was no focus at the moment you put your keys down and no focus at the moment where you when you parked your car. Yeah, and, uh, so easy to lose. To me. Yeah. So I don't understand. I've heard something that what we're doing isn't dementia, but my uh, brother-in-law seems to have it. I, I sent him into his room to get something, well, to get his phone, and he came out like 10 minutes later with a sleep machine. <laughs> so is that a different thing than what you're talking about? Uh, I don't know. Um, it may be that at the moment you asked him to get something, he wasn't really attending to you mm -hmm. and making a, a point of it. But I mean, I don't know, you know, um, there's, I think the, the problem with something like Alzheimer's and my mother had it and dementia is, it's not that you're forgetting things. It's that you really get confused about what things actually are. Um, you know, it's a little more than just forgetfulness. But, the, um, the paying attention is interesting. He signed his name and put the date. And then there was the second document. I told him what the date was. He couldn't remember. And then um, on the second document, he signed his name and then he asked me what the date was as if we had never, you know, mentioned the date. Well, he may, it may be though that, all right, now we're talking about, uh, yeah, the slow slide. And I, <laughs> that's, my mother did a lot of that before she, you know, finally 
we realized she was having a asking the same question over and over and over. Yeah. Um, well, that sentence about enduring the present moment, you know, after 80, 100 years, it's got to be like, how many moments <laughs> do you have to endure? <laughs> I can imagine it gets, you know, if you're not aware, you know, each moment and having to think of what day it is, or, you know, if you get your phone or your, your sound machine, it's a present moment. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> well, my mother was in the present moment um, as her Alzheimer's progressed. She couldn't bring any past moments in at all, mm. nor wow. could she project any future moments. But um, I don't think they're asking us to become, you know, like somebody with Alzheimer's. <laughs> but it was very interesting. She became so much easier to get along with. Oh, my God. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> her story disappeared hmm. that's interesting we have a little bit more should we do it yeah okay who's reading who was the last person who read so much for present moment attention uh, uh, Milan read I think so maybe it's okay okay, okay. yes uh, true effort is subtle. We can seem to be working hard, but in truth, be lazy because we are just sweating away without asking ourselves whether what we are doing is helpful or not. Such grinding is effort without integrity or doubt. True effort is harder and more interesting. It is present to every, each fragment of eternity passing through us. So now he's, he's, Criticizing effort and habits. Okay. Is he crit yep. criticizing effort? Well, not true effort, but yeah, what looks like effort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think he's just talking about busyness here, or you know, sweating. Yeah, I think it's. I think he's really talking about bringing our consciousness or our awareness. For the moment, you know. Mm -hmm. Effort brings the fierceness of the outer journey to the inward. The energy of the soldier fighting in the jungle, of the dog chasing a ball, of the programmer up all night writing code, is brought to the development of character. Here we welcome the raw, fiery taste of life, stronger than whiskey, at once overwhelming and not to be refused. you can uh no i think it's harmony harmony okay as we progress effort gradually becomes skilled and cunning and settles skilled and cunning and settles in for the long haul it brings to the perseverance cultivated earlier in intelligence and equilibrium good moments and bad come to flower and die away when we have found our strength through effort our attention is sharply focused and our character is has weight. We no longer rise and fall with the stock market or the hopes of others. Our day-to-day -day effort then becomes a matter like writing a novel or learning the cello 
the commitments seem large at first, but is at bottom a plain and common thing. It means merely to attend, to do the necessary work, to love the moments of which life is built. Oops. Um, I want to write down for next week the um, pages. One ninety-three. Is this the first thing you've ever come to, Harmony? From um, I've been here a couple of times, but not consistently. I have an issue with consistency. Oh, that's good, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm in the right place. You haven't developed the habit of coming. <laughs> <laughs> the good habit, the effort of showing up each week. <laughs> and so I have the, the, the opposite uh, problem. My mom used to, I'd get involved in things and my mom would have to hide them. So I'd get, you know, do something else. <laughs> so um, anyway, we all have, are different. Um, what we do now is we write or draw or walk or think or do nothing for 10 minutes. And then we come back and we, you know, maybe something that hit you that, that we read about. So uh, we'll do that till 8.20 and then come back for 10 minutes. Okay? So I'm gonna mute all. So who'd like to share something? Besides your cat, Harmony. <laughs> He's pretty happy. <laughs> Is that okay, or is he distracting? No, it's great. Oh, can I not hear? Is someone talking? Someone make a noise. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. I love, I love the kitty. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your cat's name? This is Abraham. Yep. <sighs> mm -hmm. He is one spoiled high maintenance cat right here. Excellent. <laughs> He's helped me a lot in the last several years like 10 years he's a good companion especially during um i imagine COVID and the isolation i mean you have yeah. that warm furry body there with you <laughs> wow yep. i could have used yep. a cat <laughs> it's nice i'm never alone i'm never alone yep and he never disagrees with <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll share what I Oh, thinking. great. Um, I, at the very beginning of the reading, I think it was the first or second paragraph, I, you know, my questioning was about um, being still and like, getting ahead in life, kind of the uh, watching the world evolve. And um, 
that's basically where I'm at in my career. I guess you could call it like a midlife career change. Um, and it feels like I've just been on cruise control and I've been really working on meditating and getting centered and getting things aligned. I know things are happening and it's in the right direction, but um, I try to start something and a door closes. And it seems like it's been happening for the last five years. Like I'll go, I'll sign up to go to school, I'll buy my books, and boom, classes were canceled or I'll apply for a job and I won't get it. It's, I am being open to the universe to show me where to go. And I'm being faced with so many obstacles right now. And so doubt comes up a lot. It's like, am I doing the right things? Am I following through? Am I talking to the right people? And then I go back to, well, just, just wait, you know, just wait, but I'm getting a little anxious. And then the next thing we talked about was trusting the process, you know, just allowing that to form, but also habit. And in my perception or my interpretation, my habits are like bad habits are like drinking, doing drugs, you know, bad thing, you know, uh, habitual thinking, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm reframing it into what kind of habits can I put into place so that I, I check my emails and I respond to things and I call certain people. I've gotten really lazy. I mean, the last couple of years, especially with COVID, it's just been easy to, to slip into this passive style and, and I'm not working, I'm, I'm not employed. And so um, creating new habits and I've tried to, um, initial, you know, create a new structure, uh, routine, and then effort is, oh, I really appreciated the section on effort because it's, for me, it's reframing it into looking as passion. It's, you know, it's not, doesn't have to be hard work. It has to be, okay, overlooking the doubt, trusting the process and knowing the passion. Or, or looking at the doubt, I know what my doubts are. And it's kind of like asking all those questions. And at the bottom is, it, am I good enough? And, you know, finding habits to support things that would overcome that doubt or the insecurity that is not true. My tendency to worry, you know, believe that. So there, that's what I, I share. What is it that you'd like to be doing? Healing, like a healing art, but something creative as well. Um, in production or video editing, radio, TV, film, content creating. But also because I am powerfully intuitive and I know some of the healing arts, I, I don't, I have not monetized on it. And my, my doubt is, am I qualified because I haven't been trained as a massage therapist or um, a good listener? Uh, um, yeah, so something creative and do you, do you Do you live in Austin? I do. 
and then the South Congress, uh, St. Elmo District with my boyfriend. <laughs> it's a good boyfriend. Um, if you'll give me your email address, I'd like you to get in touch with someone who does okay. a lot of this stuff. So if you put it in chat, that would be great. I will. Well, I did a piece. <coughs> this is my horse and my compass and me. Hmm. And what I wrote was, <coughs> don't do it as a habit. Don't be busy. Don't believe what others say. Don't trust everyone. With all the don'ts, what might we use as a compass? Oh, wow. That's quite detailed. <laughs> I put a little hair under the horse's chin. So you're leaving the question open right now? I'm leaving the question open. Yeah. But boy, if you start listening to people, you get in a lot of trouble. Like mm -hmm. I had one teacher who said, listen to everyone and believe no one. Oh. You might, you might want to, uh, I, could, I could apply that to my own thinking. You know, <laughs> I always have to watch what I'm believing. Mm -hmm. Emily, Milan, Gail. I had this experience this weekend. Um, and it, as I was reading the um, book tonight, I was thinking to myself, it's very hard to ask questions in the moment of something. Like, um, so the event that happened this weekend, I was at a big jazz festival, very crowded outdoors. And it was, it took place in Travis Park in San Antonio, where a couple of homeless people live. And um, one of the homeless people came to me and was trying to give me a beer and trying to interact with me. And he was very drunk and um, I was like, what do I do? <laughs> uh, and he sat down on the ground next to me and started to talk just as a band started. So I could hear snippets of what he was saying, but mostly I, it was overshadowed by the band. But as I sort of looked in his face, um, he, when he spoke, he had this accent. So he's like Ethiopian or Eritrean. And I thought, God, how did this young man cross an ocean and a continent to be homeless in America? What has brought him to this moment? And um, how lonely he must be. Um, what can I offer him? What can I give to him that will give him some comfort? Um, 
so I was like trying, I was like trying to figure out like what to do. I, I couldn't think of anything other than to like sort of allow him to talk and try to give me a beer. <laughs> and then afterwards he like patted me on the head and then walked away. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to ask those questions of what am I feeling in the moment? Like what, why is this perturbing? You know, but um, I think I'm going to sit down and ask myself those questions now when he's not <laughs> jabbering at me <laughs> and forcing a beer in my direction. So. Yeah, it's like you want to say time out, however you do that, and so you can yeah. go and figure out <laughs> how should I deal with this situation? What is the right action here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, over and over I again. You, I think, Emily, it sounds to me like you were pretty present, though. I mean, you were present to your own feelings about it, which were kind of conflicted and probably, I don't know, whatever, you know, a little bit of uh, sympathy and yet a little bit of like, now what do I do or, you know, yeah. and it seems like from what you're saying, you were pretty present to, you know, what was happening. And um, I think that we run into a problem when we think that there's some perfect response <laughs> that's true yeah. that's true yeah you're right yeah you know mm -hmm. um it's just really interesting to just be experiencing it all you know kind of the confusion and the maybe you know annoyance a little bit and the sympathy and the, you know all of it you know um yeah yeah <laughs> i had an accent too could could you understand uh, or, or was it a little work to try to understand his words I think it was mostly because he was slurring because he was drunk, you know, that was the difficulty. His English was very good. If you think okay. about it, like, like, oh my God, how did we get to this moment? You know, anyway. Sounds painful. Milan, how are you? Just tired. Thank you. I have nothing to share tonight. Milan, I like your hair. I like your hair. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Anything else or should we uh, part ways? I'll just say that I'm really glad I, I tuned in tonight. I've been through kind of a lot of, I don't know, reasons why I don't do it on Monday all of a sudden, you know, but I really needed to read what I read. Um, this was a good section. I, I, it wasn't I, I, quite, quite as crazy as some. I appreciated the, the, the section in there about Joseph and, and Jesus, just because it's it's really good to see uh, this religion in a spiritual context. I'm so tired, you know, hmm. that, it's, very, it's very refreshing. They're wonderful stories. Okay, see everyone. I mean, see you, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.